Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where opposing teams have collectively all filed restraining orders against the Lakers players this season, and all of our guys have happily obliged on defense. We, But no restraining orders here amongst the Lakers Legacy Podcast, at least none that we know of, right, Ellen? Although Tommy's not here. Uh, I haven't pulled out for Tommy, so I'm definitely in the clear there. Yeah, no restraining orders here. Tommy, unfortunately, is not here with us, but we're going to chug through this. Chug. Chug, chug, chug. I mean, that's what we got to do, trying to watch these games and trying to finish them out. The Lakers are now 19-44, and and they have sole possession of the number two worst record in the NBA, which currently gives them a 55.8% chance of remaining in the top three. That's 9% better odds than if they were at the number three spot, which Phoenix currently holds. And for some reason, the Suns are on like a hot streak right now. They've won three games in a row. Tyler Eulis hit a game-winning three against Isaiah Thomas and Love the Boston Tyler Celtics. Me a Tyler Eulis Laker jersey. So yeah, that's where we are. We're not going to complain too much outside of, at times, wanting to gouge our eyes out. Alan, how are, how are you doing in terms of the gouging eyes front? Well, I still have my eyes. That's good. So that's definitely a good sign. Um, funny story with that Phoenix game. So I was watching wolverine on fx today like the 2013 wolverine Mm -hmm. and uh just a little backstory here this is really like riveting listening uh jonathan and i watched logan last night which was incredible would highly recommend it so today you know like lazy sunday i'm just kind of chilling and oh wolverine's on fx let me just watch this and then i went on twitter for a bit and I saw the, you know, updates about Boston and Phoenix. I was like, oh, shoot. So I turned it over to League Pass, which I didn't even know I had, by the way, in my sports package. And it's Boston and uh, Phoenix. And I literally turn it on when Isaiah Thomas misses that free throw. And it's like a 
two-point game or whatever that sequence was. I turned it on right when it started, and, I, I yeah, I saw those five seconds, and I was going crazy, and then I went back to watching Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tonight's show is brought to you by SteinerSports.com, the leading online provider of hand-signed collectibles and memorabilia. If you go to SteinerSports.com and enter the code ALMIGHTY2017 upon checkout, you will receive 20% off all your Laurent Profit Lakers gear. So go do that. <laughs> hey, you're a true Lakers fan if you know who Laurent Profit is. Right, Alan? Love Laurent Profit, dude. What a stud. Remember when that guy used to look like Kobe Bryant and people were like, oh, there's Kobe. Oh, just kidding. That's I thought he was the next coming at Kobe, for sure. <laughs> he just had the, the same like body mold and, mm-hmm. and physique as Kobe. Yeah, yeah, prototypical wing. Until he unfortunately went down with an Achilles injury as well, too. Was that yeah, a prophetic sign? Just, I don't know. Just a little <laughs> earlier. Anyways, speaking of Lakers gear. I thought you were going to say speaking of Laron Prophet. No, no. He's with, our guest tonight. Nope, we're done with Laron. Speaking of Lakers gear, though, Alan, how do you feel about soft-ass tri-blend t-shirts with that Heather-like material? I love it when my uh, t-shirts smell like someone's ass that is soft. <laughs> okay, no, that's not that's not the message we're trying to send here. Let's do that again. Alan, how do you feel about soft-ass tri-blend t-shirts that feel really good on your... Skin? Skin. I love them. They're so soft. No, they really are super soft. They pretty much just mesh into your body. And they're the perfect nighttime sleep shirts. Well, we've got some of those soft-ass tri-blend t-shirts in the form of some free Lakers Legacy t-shirts that you can win just by joining our Twitter contest. We've got an It's Lit LA option that is pretty representative of our entire podcast and then we also have a brandon ingram flash the progress t-shirt as well even if you don't like the designs like i said i guarantee you you will like the way it feels on your body whatever type of body you do have and it will instantly become your new favorite sleeping shirt or the shirt you want to wear watching lakers games so yeah please if you want to join all you have to do is go on twitter follow our handle at lakers legacy pod then quote our t-shirt contest tweet and use the hashtags it's lit LA and flash the progress. Just look through our timeline. You'll easily find our t-shirt contest tweet because I've been tweeting pretty much every day. And then also RT our pin tweet of episode 112 featuring Drew Hanlon. And you instantly get an entry into our free t-shirt contest. And I'm literally just going to take your Twitter handles, put them into like a hat and draw names out. So it's as simple as that. Also, if you want to go above and beyond and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, just screenshot your review to us, whether it's a review you've already done in the past or a review that you just wrote. Add it to us on Twitter, and you will receive an additional entry to this t-shirt contest. So if you already follow us, you're already one step up ahead. And then obviously quote the t-shirt contest tweet, RT, the episode 112 featuring Drew Hanlon, which is pinned to our Twitter. And then please rate and review us on iTunes. So for now, I have the deadline set to April 1st, but I might move it up to March 15th, just depending on how many people join. So I really want one of those soft-ass tri-blend tees. They are really soft. So yeah, please join our t-shirt Twitter contest as soon as possible. And right now we only have maybe like 20 entries. So you have a pretty good shot if you just enter. It's really simple. I'm just kidding. I haven't entered at all. (laughs) That's okay. I'll give you one for free. Okay. Outside of that, obviously, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many restraining orders the actual Lakers on-court team will be able to place towards the bus family so as to properly ensure that the absurd drama and dysfunction that's happening up top doesn't further trickle down to the players, coaches, and basketball staff. Or us. Or us. Speaking of reviews, tonight we have, for some reason, Stephen A. Smith on the podcast, and he will read tonight's iTunes review. So, Stephen A., take it away. For some reason, I'll tell you the damn reason why I'm here because of the damn dysfunction in the damn Laker franchise. Thanks a lot, Jim Boss. Okay, got that out of my system. Here we go. This says, Cool, from Stefanol. Yo! This podcast is Trillitmus Prime, broham. I don't even know what the <laughs> hell that means. I like it for the game recaps and Laker news. Because Dish is trash, and I can only watch nationally televised games. Now, what the hell is that? Destructogram and Zoo Goat Future 1 and 2 all-time greatest players ever. Hashtag flashes. Good work, my dudes. Keep it up. (laughs) Stephen A. Smith, everybody, thank you for joining the show. Make sure to join our Twitter contest. Jim Boss! We're going to get to Jim Buss in literally just a second. Thank you, Stephen A. Stephanol, thank you for that review. And, you know, actually, it's a good thing that you don't get to watch as many Lakers games these days because they're not very pleasing to watch in the first place. So thank you for that review. Everybody follow his stead. 
With that said, let's just get on with our show. Today, we're going to be pretty much talking about the bus drama going on at top. We're also going to cover Luke Walton's interview with Bill Simmons on his podcast. And then we're just going to do a overarching outlook of the Lakers' rest of season schedule and what that's going to look like for the Tankathon, Tankapalooza, and how many wins we project them to have by the end of the year. And whether or not we see them keeping number two worst. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. This record in the league. Uh, I realized that when I was born, my arm would tingle. It'll just tingle all the time. And I asked my mom what it was, so I got an x-ray and it was just ice there. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. All right, and we're going to get into all that bus drama and turmoil in a bit. Alan, do you know what I'm going to call this episode, by the way? I do not. This is bus. You know, like, this is us. <laughs> That great NBC drama, This Is Us, featuring Mandy Moore and Milo Ventimiglia from Heroes and Gilmore Girls. So good. good. Such a good show. Unfortunately, we can't say the same about the Lakers. But this is bus, right? We've got squabbling at the top. we got Lakers players playing inconsistently, showing flashes here and there, losing, tanking. This is what we are, and this is how we're going to close the year. Everybody and live with it pretty Hold much. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> so yeah, tonight the Lakers lost to the New Orleans Pelicans 105-97. to uh, they also lost to the Celtics in pretty embarrassing fashion on Friday night, unfortunately. So I guess, Alan, what have you lost? I mean, what have you lost? So much. <laughs> We've lost so much watching these games for sure. But what have you thought about these last two games or so watching the Lakers? And I guess we can start with with Brandon Ingram because, he, oh man, he had a very, very disappointing... He wasn't even playing. It was like it was Luau Dang DNPing on Friday. Luau Dang shoots the ball, though. He does. Like, too much. <laughs> And so, yeah, what have you what have you thought about Brandon Ingram? Because thank God that he rebounded tonight against the Pelicans. Was a lot more aggressive. The first three he took off the baseline, he hit. Brandon Ingram had 16 points on 7 for 13 shooting. Hit two threes, six rebounds, two assists, one block. The four turnovers weren't great, but everybody tonight was turning the ball over, it seemed. So it was a huge improvement from his 0.0 for 2 showing against the Celtics on Friday. Yeah, I guess what have you thought about Brandon Ingram in general? Boston game was not good. Uh, the one thing I can remember from Boston was when he was posting up and then he found I think it was D'Angelo in the corner for a three so that's really good vision on his part otherwise yeah Boston game pretty disappointing because he played really well against Boston over there a few months ago but yeah as far as tonight he was all over the place uh you could tell he he got a directive from the coaching staff you know other than the fact that like he probably knew himself boy I really screwed that one up um Super aggressive, like you said, hit his first three today. Uh, I was really impressed with his slipping picks today. Mm -hmm. How many times did he, you know, stand there for the pick and then roll to the basket really hard and just get easy dunks, easy buckets? Yeah, his cutting was impressive tonight. Julius hit him for that whip pass, and then he had that dunk. That was nice. Yep, yep. So very impressive there, very decisive, and not just, you know, going through the motions like you got your foot in quicksand or something. He also had that really aggressive drive on Anthony Davis where Stu thought Anthony Davis was going to block it, but he just took it really hard and extended his long-ass stretchy arms and was able to get that lay-in. So the fact that he was... And there was another time where he got blocked pretty hard by, I think, both DeMarcus and Anthony Davis, but the fact that he was willing to take it strong into the hole was encouraging. Yep, yep. Um, I was also really impressed in the fourth quarter uh, when he was matched up against Anthony Davis on defense. And he... First, he got called for that ticky-tack foul where he pushed Anthony Davis in the back as he was posting him up. But then... Pelicans went right back into Anthony Davis. Brandon stood his ground, used great verticality. And it's crazy because he is definitely shorter than Anthony Davis, but he's so long, it actually, he imposed himself on AD. And then it either ended up being a turnover or like he knocked it out of out of bounds or something like yeah. that when Anthony Davis was trying to drive to the basket. So that was really impressive. Uh, love that he didn't back down there. And then in the post, there are a couple times where he took advantage of Etuan Moore, who's like five, six inches yes. shorter than him, shot right over him. He, I feel he could have been a little bit more decisive. Like he was posting up and he was just kind of staying there, like surveying the court. Yeah. And I'm yelling at the TV, like, dude, just go, go, mm-hmm. go, go. And like 
some point he recognized it. He ends up scoring, so that was good to see. Uh, hopefully in the future he can continue to do it. It's not the first time they put a shorter guy on him. Right. A lot of teams do that because they don't see him as an offensive threat yeah. at all. Yep, agree. So thank God for this showing. You know, I was talking to you about against Boston. You know, Jalen Brown has really been showing out the last few games, and even Celtics fans and bloggers were saying, man, did we get the best player in this draft at number three, even better than Brandon Ingram? And I wanted that game to be Brandon Ingram shutting people up, you know, showing people, hey, man, I am better than Jalen Brown for sure. You haven't seen anything yet. And unfortunately, Jalen Brown ended up balling out and Brandon Ingram did the exact opposite. I mean, consistency is the key with Brandon Ingram because it seems right now it's one of these things where he takes one step forward, then two steps back, right? With a random like two point showing, zero point showing, three point showing, you know, he just needs to continually be aggressive. We've got 20 games left. There's no need to like pull up and put on the brakes, right? Just full bore, end the season on a strong note and then take it, take that momentum into the summer. It's like so, no one's going to get mad at you no, for being too aggressive, shooting. Brandon. Honestly, this guy plays like what if Luke has his way and he's not in foul trouble this guy always plays 35 to 39 minutes you cannot only take five shots or be passive playing that many minutes you know and I guess this goes to another question that you know people have been debating on Twitter and that I want to ask you is why do we give Brandon Ingram such a pass with regards to if D'Angelo Russell was doing this his rookie season we would be even more like D'Angelo Russell's already gotten the bus label right Mm -hmm. Um, Brandon Ingram is averaging the same minutes as D'Angelo Russell did his rookie season but he's averaging eight points four rebounds, two assists on like 38% shooting, 29% shooting. D'Angelo at least averaged 14 points, you know, three assists, three rebounds, hitting almost two threes a game. So I guess for you, why, why do fans give a lot more leeway to Brandon Ingram than they do D'Angelo Russell? I think it's a pretty shallow reason. I think it's just a difference of personalities. I think Brandon yeah. is a very likable guy. No one's going to say that he's cocky or anything like that. Like, the biggest diss a person can make is not even a diss. They're just like, oh, he always looks like he's high. He looks like Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> like, that's the most negative thing a person can say about Brandon Ingram from, like, that's not even a personality yeah. thing, right? Otherwise, like, hey, he seems like a nice kid. He's really quiet. I don't know. Like, he, he does his thing, and he's just not aggressive enough, and that's it. D'Angelo, on the other hand, is extremely confident, bordering cocky or arrogant or overconfident. Um, he loves to celebrate himself, you know, yeah. ice in my veins, jumping on the court with his dad in the summer league, um, off-the-court things from last year, whatever. So I, I, I think it's pretty much just that it's easier to pick on d'angelo because he's done some things and it just opens himself up to more criticism whereas brandon like what are you gonna say right yeah and i think it goes back to when these guys were drafted a lot of lakers fans actually wanted okafor over d'angelo so that kind of lasting image somehow there's still a division between and now it brings up porzingis too as right right um, even though that was never really hindsight's 2020 Yeah. But for the Lakers, it was always Brandon Ingram, you know. Once Simmons was off, Ingram all the way. So it's easier for fans to be like, well... You just accept him. Yeah, everybody was on Ingram. So it's not like you can be like, oh, I was wrong, you know, That's true. so quickly. That's true. Where if everybody was on D'Angelo... There's no revisionist history. Yeah, if everybody's on D'Angelo last year, we would have given him way more leeway and said, hey, 13 points, three rebounds, three assists. That's solid, you know, under Byron Scott. That's solid. <laughs> you know, like, if Brandon Ingram had to play under Byron Scott, oh my lord, guys, we would be killing this fool. But I think on top of that, I think what gives Brandon Ingram the edge, obviously, is he's taller, he's lankier. We've seen him at least be very solid defensively, so there's already a really good baseline. So in those senses, I think it's fair that some fans are giving him that leeway, but I think at times it does kind of go over the top, right? It's like, no, this guy is objectively, he's objectively been bad. That Celtics game was horrible. Yeah, you have to be fair. You have to be fair. He's not shooting well. This guy needs to shore up his free throws. He missed two free throws again (laughs) against the Pelicans. I mean, that type of stuff is kind of unacceptable. He's had multiple instances where he's airballed a free throw. I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's like... You know what it it is? I think with D'Angelo, it's like when he played or plays badly, a lot of times it's because of like stupid mistakes, yeah. like awful turnovers and and things like that. You could argue bad bad shot selection. With Brandon, it's more about what he's not doing. Yeah, you know, like what's the more glaring mistake? Him not shooting the ball or D'Angelo turning it over six or seven times? Right, right. So for most fans, they're gonna look at what a person is doing wrong as opposed to what a person's not doing at all. Right. Yeah. Now, if you look at it objectively, like you said, like well, they're just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess this is a good segue into D'Angelo Russell. So he had a pretty 
up-and-down, rocky kind of game against the Pelicans tonight. Against the Celtics, he started off hot, probably hit his first four shots. Dude, I thought he was going to go for 40. Yeah, man, he I looked really dynamic, did. was hitting his three-point shot. He, I think one thing that he's been doing a lot more recently is it's almost like a Lou Will fading to the left kind of thing where he's like a, a one-footed fadeaway baseline mid-range jump shot that he likes to hit all of a sudden. And it doesn't matter whether he's kind of fading, swaying to the left. He likes to hit it. So that's a pretty impressive shot in his arsenal. But yeah, tonight, I actually was pretty impressed by his game, especially the late flurry that the Lakers had under his leadership in the fourth quarter when they cut down like a 14-point lead pretty much to pretty much like two two or three points yeah. at the end yeah. there. Pretty much had a chance to win. That was all thanks to Swaggy P and D'Angelo Russell. And I really like D'Angelo's aggressiveness in terms of even though he missed his first four shots, missed his first seven three-pointers, he just kept shooting. He kept playmaking, even though he was getting silly turnovers. He still also made some really nice passes as well in the pick and roll to Julius Randle, pick and roll to Tarek Black, passing it out to, on the perimeter to Swaggy P. Oh, he always seems to find Swaggy P in the right spots for those three-pointers. He ended up with 16 points on 7 for 20 shooting, 2 for 11 from 3, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 6 turnovers, 2 steals, 1 block. But I think we saw another glimpse of why D'Angelo Russell, right now, I would still deem as, quote-unquote, the man over Brandon Ingram just because of the way he can absolutely take over a game. And in this case, he did it in like a two, three-minute flurry, whether it was passing the Swaggy P or taking the threes or jump shots himself. Like, when he has it going on, it's so dynamic. It's such a spark plug. If he had just hit a couple more threes, we probably would have won the game, you know, yeah. which is incredible. So right. what did you think of uh, D'Angelo Russell's game tonight? Yeah, definitely what stood out to me was the fact that he's deemed himself as the closer, right? It's not like this closer by committee type mentality that we've had where, oh, well, depending on who's hot, they're just going to take over the game. He really put it upon himself against Boston to get the team started. He made a concerted effort to shoot the heck out of the ball, and it was going down for him. Um, so he's really that spark plug to start the game. And then tonight, like you said, um, with whatever it was, like three and a half minutes left to play, he just starts making absolutely everything. I, I do see a little bit more leadership coming from him, at least through his actions in that sense, uh, instead of being passive and just looking to somebody else. So that has been very encouraging. Now, had all his shots missed tonight, honestly, I'd still be okay with the fact that he was taking those shots because who else are you going to give it to right. in that moment? You know, like, And we like the guy, but we had David Nwaba out there at the yeah. end of the game, obviously for defensive purposes. Um, but you're not going to go to Julius really in that moment when you've got Anthony Davis in there. Jordan Clarkson had an off night. So, yeah, I really do think it's D'Angelo. Uh, for the time being, in terms of him or Ingram, it's going to be D'Angelo. Now, two, three years from now, who knows what it's going to be. Yeah, with regards to his shot selection tonight, um, he did force up a couple shots, especially at the end there. But in the third quarter, I think he had about four wide-open three-point shots that he just missed, right? And so he did sort of have an off-shooting night. But again, I like that, in spite of the fact that he started 0 for 3, 0 for 4, he took it to the lane a couple times took a, some mid-range jump shots, but also continued to distribute well for his teammates, even in spite of the turnovers as well. And we see that he was ab able to finally get out of the funk. And because Luke Walton uh, put him back in the fourth quarter, I think at the seven-minute mark or so, he had more time to get into a flow of things, right? Where typically he'd be put in with like four minutes left and it's over from there. But we saw once D'Angelo finally gets into the groove of things and find himself once again, he could get hot just like that in an instant. But we can't expect him to be thrust in there with four minutes left and make the right plays and make the right decisions off the bat. So this guy definitely needs time to shake things out and get through his ups and downs. And when he does, he's a very dynamic and lethal player who can carry this team. Hopefully next time he just hits his wide open and threes and or doesn't settle and take 11 of them <laughs> right <laughs> um so yeah i mean the last few games for the lakers terrible defensively tonight it just seemed very low energy against the pelicans i don't know what it was i will that give third quarter yeah i mean honestly the, recently too they've been starting off pretty well and then yeah. all of a sudden they just hit a wall sputter out and they just they stop moving the ball players stop moving it's you know kind of the same story but hey i'll, I'll take three quarters of a good game over 40% of sure, a good game, yeah, which is I mean, what we've seen a lot of times, you know? Yeah, and I will give them credit for it does seem like they're making a conscientious effort to actually pass and move the ball, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. tonight it was just literally a case of everybody had butterfingers. Everybody was making these lackadaisical passes to nobody. But it, the intent is there, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's just everybody was off sync the execution tonight. wasn't there the execution at all. wasn't there yeah at all. it's all about and this is rhetoric but you got to put together four good quarters not three 
you know, not two thirds of a game. Right. So that's that's the next step in development. And even having said that, I think they started off the quarter like with nine assists on their first, you know, yeah. however many points, nine, right? Nine assists on eleven shots, I think. Yeah, so Crazy. that's pretty impressive. And then they had know. thirteen points in the third. <laughs> I, 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 I seriously. So there right? you go. Very low energy. That's why Man. Luke Walton had to put in T Rob. So this is what you're going to get with a young team, especially as they try and close this season out somewhat on the right note. Obviously, we're happy with the fact that they lost tonight, and but did show some fight. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I thought we were just going to end up losing by 20 after that third quarter. Yeah, I was like, okay, sure. I at least want us to fight our way back into this thing, and they did. So. It's all good. And the the switch flipped because Luke Walton put in Swaggy P, D'Angelo Russell, and David Nwaba. So before we end our talk tonight, what, what have you thought about David Nwaba, who we signed on a 10-day contract last Tuesday, and people have described him as, you know, this Tony Allen-type play, player, although I, just, I, I think he's much more athletic than Tony yes, Allen. Yes, He's very strong. He's built like a bull. And, man, just in terms of his solid base and being able to move laterally Mm -hmm. it is pretty impressive oh yeah four-year player at a cal poly pomona he is very buff this guy is six foot four he's got long arms he reminds me the tony allen thing i get and you know i hate to like be talking about all these like boston players but kind of like marcus smart in terms of being a ball hawk but he's a lot more toned than marcus smart marcus smart's pretty thick he's a ball hawk Mm-hmm. He he's the guy that's going to be defending, you know, a Steph Curry or a Clay Thompson. Um, he's just going to hound guys for sure, and he's had some very impressive blocks coming from the weak side. He doesn't give up on plays. I mean, obviously, this guy is like playing for his life right now, and you can really see it. And it's just been very impressive. And you figure he's going to really lock down uh, the other team's best player, or at least deter them from doing. Um, whatever their first option is. So I've really loved that. And again, I think this can go back a little bit to what Magic said back on Spectrum Sportsnet, that our team has a lot of redundancy, that there are so many players who have the exact same skill set on our team. We need to diversify things a little bit. And you can look at a David Nwaba as a defensive stopper. Offensively, we don't really know what his game is right now, and that's okay because look how many guys we have that can do things offensively. Um, even not to like go off of the David Nwaba topic too much, but like look at Corey Brewer. How many times has he stolen the ball, gotten a fast break started, or finished it off himself? How many times has he blocked shots? Like he had that sick recovery tonight mm-hmm. and had like a LeBron type block after he was blown by. So yeah, it's it's just awesome to see players with different skill sets that can give us a more complete team. Yeah. He's just very energetic, has this really high motor, and I think he also had a really nice block against the Celtics, someone on the Celtics as well. Uh, So, yeah, I've been really impressed by just his... I mean, he was out there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, Luke, Luke had him out him. there at the end instead of Jordan Clarkson. He was guarding uh, Drew Holiday. Yep. And, you know, just Makes his sense. energy and being able to stay with his man and cut them off. I mean, those guys get cut off and they have to dribble back to the three-point line exactly. whenever he's guarding them. And, yeah, he's just been really impressive on the defensive end. So, yeah, props to David Nwaba for making this far, making it this far. I hope he sticks with the team till the end of the season. At this point, there's no they reason to. not to, you know. You, yeah, yeah. I can only imagine in practice he really ups the intensity as well so oh for sure you know he's going to be getting after it yeah you With mean the... you don't want vander blue nah, no 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 more of those freaking jabari browns and <laughs> vander blues and uh djos and marshawn Bro- like no more offensive guys you know what i mean we have yep. enough of that we could use some pure shooters obviously but it's so you're not going to rely on that from a d-league call-up yeah but i mean how stark is the difference just seeing someone who can play really it's, good amazing, it's amazing dude right? it's it's so comforting <laughs> Like, when you see guys hit three-pointers, it's like, okay, that's great. Sure, yeah, but, dime mean, a dozen. Everybody can. But lockdown right? defenders, you can't find them everywhere, and this yeah. is David Nwaba's one of them. So, yeah, I mean, the Lakers are still going to continue to play bad defense. They're still going to continue to kind of wane here and there, be up and down. But the good thing is they are the ball is moving, right? Whether or yep. not the execution is there, it's clear. Like in that Celtics game, Julius Randle to Jordan Clarkson, touch pass to Corey Brewer, touch pass to Zubots, Zubots for the dunk. That was right? sick. That was sick. And then they had another really nice play tonight, too. I forgot who it involved, but it was like a two-three or two, three pass kind of play that resulted in a dunk as well. So, I mean, it's definitely there. The, the players just have to continue to be more comfortable with each other as the season ends, and hopefully we see more of that 
cohesiveness between everybody. Um, my last note was really uh, Tyler Ennis played well tonight in his six minutes. He hit two threes. One was a banker, but one was a more confident-looking Swiss shot. Um, hopefully, I eventually want to see Tyler Ennis almost take on that Jordan Farmar role in terms mm. of a more passing, less athletic Jordan Farmar. Um, but I can definitely see him like carving out a role for himself if he continues to be that solid and just hits open three-pointers because it seems like he's a very smart player who doesn't make a lot of mistakes on the court. So, um, so yeah, we'll leave it right there. Um, I'm glad the Lakers showed fight against the Pelicans. Um, to close this out, we're just going to quickly look at the Lakers' remaining schedule to see whether we whether they can keep this second worst spot. Luckily, that like we said, Phoenix Suns are on a three game winning streak. Um, that's pretty much their biggest competition in retaining this second worst spot. The next team would be Philadelphia, but they have twenty three wins, and Orlando has twenty three wins as well. Obviously, Philadelphia doesn't have Embiid any, anymore, but they do have Dario Saric, who could likely win the Rookie of the Year at this point. He has been on an amazing tear pretty much since the new year began. And they've actually been winning with him. Justin Anderson even played well. Yeah, even he played well. So really, the Lakers' primary concern right now is the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns right now are 21-42. and 42. The Lakers are 19-44. and 44. So, Alan, what do you think about the Lakers' remaining schedule? And how many wins do you project them to have by the end of this season? And we can even go down the, the list right now. Um, so... I'll just run through the Lakers schedule really quickly. Uh, Tuesday, they play at Dallas. Loss. Loss. Thursday, they play at Phoenix. Given how hot Phoenix is, and I've said this before, I think D'Angelo Russell is going to finally have a really good game against Devin Booker. Whether that means a win, I don't know. But at this point, it's looking like a... Man, I haven't pegged for a win. I haven't pegged for a win, too, because I think D'Angelo is getting sick and tired of everybody talking about Devin Booker. Yeah. Okay, so maybe let's give Gotta it a shut win. Charles Barkley up. Let's give it a win, but it's not a confident win, right? It's no, not like a 75-25 thing. It's like a 50-50. All right, then we play at Denver on Monday. Oh, sorry. We play on Sunday, March 12th against the Philadelphia 76ers, and that one I'll give us a win. Me too. Okay, and then at Denver after that, loss. That's a loss, back-to-back. Yep. At Houston, loss. loss. Versus Milwaukee, loss. loss. Versus Cleveland, loss. loss. Versus Clippers, Loss. loss versus Minnesota, loss, loss. versus yeah. yeah versus Portland, loss. loss versus Washington, loss, loss at Minnesota, loss, loss uh, at Clippers, Lose. loss versus Memphis, loss, <laughs> not a win <laughs> at San Antonio, loss, gonna score less than them <laughs> versus Sacramento at home, win. We will score more points than them. We will score more points than them. So at that point, at this point, we have maybe three wins, two or three wins. Uh, versus Minnesota, April 9th. You know what? I think we're going to win one of the... We're going to yeah. play Minnesota Dang, we like play three Minnesota more times. A lot. Exactly. We're going to win one of those. So yeah, yeah. let's give us three or four wins at this point. Sure. And then versus New Orleans at home, April 11th. Yeah, I'm going to lose that one. We're going to lose that one. Yeah. And then at Golden State Wednesday, whether or not they rest their players, who knows? It doesn't matter. But it, gonna it's lose. not going to matter. They're going to lose. All right. So with that said, I have them pegged for at most four wins, right? Yep. One of the Minnesota games against Sacramento versus Philadelphia and maybe against Phoenix. So three or four wins. 23. 23 wins. Let's add in the random one they win sure. against some good team that they didn't expect, right? So at most, four or five wins, 23 or 24 wins at the end of the at season. the beginning of the year where we... God, I feel like I said we were going to get between 23 and 25 wins. I, think I feel we were, like that was my prediction. Really? We were or was all it higher. Like 27, we're 27 to, to 30. Dang yeah. it. <laughs> Too bad. Um, but yeah, at this point... At one point we said 41 and 41, uh, so... God. Well, that's when we started out the season like... Delusional idiots. We were 10 and 10 at one point. For sure, for sure. Also, quickly, I'm going to look at the Suns schedule just to see how many um, easy games they have because actually the Lakers have the second toughest schedule in comparison to the, these other tanking teams, which benefits us. Suns play... I'm just going to go quickly down this. Washington, Lakers, Dallas, Portland, Sacramento, Orlando. Those are two winnable mm. games. At Detroit, even that's a winnable game. At Miami, at Brooklyn. They play Sacramento two more times. They have a bout against Brooklyn. So for me, that's enough. They are they already have a wow. two-game lead on us. Even if we beat them on Thursday, you know, Man, we'll still be... they play a lot of teams in the East at the end. Yeah, we'll still be one game behind them in terms of the win column. 
and facing teams like Sacramento, Orlando, Detroit, Brooklyn, and then Sacramento again to close the year out is a good thing. And given that they have beaten teams like Oklahoma City recently, they could be riding a hot streak to end here. So with that being said, the Lakers might have a pretty firm and secure holding on the second worst slot in the league. You know, I'm not about tanking in the conventional (laughs) sense that everyone thinks, you know. If we win a game, am I going to be like upset and mad? No, because ultimately I'm happy that we're playing well. At the same time, am I rooting like hell for Phoenix to win? Of course I am. They're my new second favorite team (laughs) for the next two months. uh, Or month and a half, actually. But uh, yeah, man, we, we need that pick. Yeah, and I'm glad to say, you know, Earlier in the week when I was analyzing the schedules, I was like, I think the Lakers are stuck at number three because, you know, we had that crazy lit game against Charlotte where everything was clicking. Like, uh-oh. We were working on all cylinders. We're good again. I, we're really good. Everybody played well that game. And I was like, man, if we have more of these games against the lesser teams that we're supposed to beat, then we're probably going to beat some teams we're not supposed to. And there we go. It's like, oh, we're going to go 10 and 10 again. No. Well, I don't know if I'm glad to say I was wrong, but it's clear this is still a very young team. Big picture, big picture. Big picture, and yeah, Phoenix has a much easier schedule than us, and realistically speaking, we have two for sure wins against the Sixers and the Kings, and then from there, you maybe tack on two or three other wins to cap it off at five, and that's the best case scenario for the Lakers at this point, which would leave them at the number two worst slot again for the third straight year. And for the third straight year, we are hoping for some lottery luck. That hurts, man. Yeah. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service, so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Uh, you know, I'm just do it, this, that, and that's all. Alan. Yes. What What do you make of this bus drama? And we'll, we'll recap it really quickly. All right, so our friend Victor actually helped us break this all the all these happenings down pretty much from a legal perspective and just Victor to, is a lawyer as well. Victor is a lawyer as well. He's our friend and resident Lakers fan. He's the one who actually started our Facebook message thread and this is why we started this podcast though. So shout out to Victor Wang. Quote him, it's important to frame this first by understanding what Jerry Buss's trust controls. It says that the trustees shall take whatever actions are reasonably available to them to have Jeannie Buss appointed as the controlling owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. This is crystal clear. Now, the bylaws of the company state that a controlling owner has to also be a board of director. Johnny slash Jimmy, Jimmy John's logic is that, wait a second, if Jeannie isn't a board of director, then she can't be controlling owner. So therefore, they wanted to quickly vote Jeannie out as a board of director. Then she isn't a controlling owner. And then they can basically take a coup of ownership. The problem is that, like we said, Jerry's trust controls. Jeannie is the controlling owner, bottom line. So what can Jeannie's lawyers do in a situation like this? Victor said, usually we would call Jimmy John and their lawyers and say, hey, buddy, what the F is going on here? Let's talk. Apparently, they skirted around the issue, and when there's A, a short timetable, B, a high risk of damage, and C, you have a really strong legal footing, we file suit and ask the court for a temporary restraining order. This is basically the court's way of saying, hey, bad guy, what you're doing seems very likely to be illegal, so stop. (laughs) The story says that Jimmy John acquiesced, Jeannie withdrew her restraining order, and they move on per usual. What's going on behind the scene is relatively simple. They tried to find a loophole, naively went for it. Jeannie's lawyers hung a noose and asked Jimmy John whether they wanted to risk it, and Jimmy John backed off because they don't have any legal footing here. Therefore, Jeannie is dropping the request for a restraining order. The conclusion pretty much is that Jeannie is fully in control and Jimmy John is gasping for air. 
obviously, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to us have already done a little bit of research or just seen like Ramona Shelburne, for example, talk on ESPN about why that doesn't make any sense. Um, but basically, Jimmy John's lawyer kind of backtracked all of it and said, no, 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 like, that's not what was going on at all. There, there's, we understand that there's no way that could possibly happen. It's not even about that. As a matter of fact, they said that they voted Jeannie on, on, on Thursday to continue being, to hold the position that she has right now. Now, I'm pretty sure the lawyer was then asked, so why was her name left off? And he did not respond. And this is according to Ramona Shelburne's Twitter feed. So, yeah, it, that is obviously the shady part of it, is he didn't even address why her name wasn't on that list of um, uh, people who could be voted in that, that, into that position. The bigger story here is just how how much turmoil and dysfunction and, and drama still remains within the bus kids and the bus family and... I guess, do we see this as a distraction moving forward or because of the implications that Jimmy John really don't, they really don't have any legal grounds to oust their sister? I guess, Alan, how do you feel about this? And do you think it's going to be a distraction come May when they could potentially try and bring this back up in court, even though from everything we've seen, they can't really use this loophole because Jeannie is going to remain the controlling owner and their sly attempt to try and oust her as as part of the board of the directors is pretty much not going to fly. Right. I mean, more than anything else, it's just a little bit discouraging because once Magic came back in into the fold as president of basketball ops, we thought, okay, he's going to restore stability to this organization and free agents are going to have a reason to want to come here just in terms of, okay, there's clearly somebody in charge and Rob Palenka is going to be the general manager and they have just moved on from whatever dysfunction was spoken of. Right. Yeah. Whether, you know, a person could make the argument, oh, well, it's not like free free agents are going to come just because of magic. It's like that's not even the point. The point is there's a direction, period. Um, And this just sort of brings all the other garbage back up again that they're trying to get away from. Now, as far as how much that affects other players and the Lakers, um, like their reputation, I'm not really sure. I guess some would look at at surface level like, oh gosh, here we go again with just more crap. And that could dissuade some people from wanting to come here and it would turn them off. So more than anything, I, I would say it's discouraging. Um, it, it's it, it feels similar to like when the Dodgers, for example, were going through the Frank McCourt drama. And that was drawn out for such a long period of time. And it was just such a turnoff from the organization Mm -hmm. in general. The fact that the main publicity was negative and it's all of this, you know, stuff is just rich people essentially fighting over things. And that's just not what you want people to think of when they think of the Lakers. And unfortunately, that has been the narrative recently. And now it's being brought up again. Yeah, I totally agree. I think at the end of the day, the stigma that it continues to leave on this Lakers franchise, just as we thought it was about to move forward, I think continues to, yeah, keep it in the mud and stop us on our tracks and become a bigger distraction. You know, we still have the draft coming up in June, the lottery, and then free agency once again. Nobody's going to want to come. I mean, it's not like we have anybody to sign either way, but any added distraction and any added tension up top to dissuade free agents from coming, as I think not beneficial to this franchise, and it's just not a good look, like you said. Um, just the fact that you have the family who owns this team, it's like a soap opera up there. They're squabbling with each other, and they can't seem to keep things in-house, which I guess is it's hard to do. Being the owners of the Lakers, like you said, is discouraging, and it's just off-putting to other people outside the organization as well. And if they can't shore this up and clean this up soon, it's it's going to come to a head at some point. And it's like a lot of fans have already been saying that these guys ha- should probably sell the team, right? Mm-hmm. As long as they keep fighting, they probably should, you know? So we just have to hope that either Jim and Johnny get what they want. Hopefully all they want is money in this case, you know, extra compensation or something. And it's not some sort of vindictive kind of thing that they're trying to do to prove that, you know, yeah, you have no right to fire me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Which, in terms of money, I think they each already get like $10 million. Yeah, right. So I, I don't think it's that at all. I think they both want in the organization in a position of power and influence. That's scary. That is very scary. Yeah. And it's it's clearly like 
you know, it's the two older brothers ganging up on the younger sister is what it is. Yeah. Not to look at, you know, birth order necessarily playing a role in this, but I think Johnny Bus was like the owner or some president role for the LA Sparks for a period of time. And he was rather unsuccessful. And, you know, we haven't heard really anything about Johnny until now. Um, so it, it, to me, it just seems like they're leveraging their way as much as possible to become real players in this organization. And it's like, you know what, man, unfortunately your sister who has the majority of the control doesn't want you in that position. And if they can't be, you know, real with themselves, which they obviously can't and understand that they are detrimental to this organization when it comes to them actually making decisions, then they don't actually care about the organization at all. They only care about themselves and their own legacies and they're power hungry. And that's about it. I read a quote somewhere. It was on Twitter. They're like, you know, they were born on third base and thought that they hit a triple, Mm. you know, and and that's not to say every single person who's born into, um, you know, wealth necessarily has that attitude, but you obviously see it a lot. There's so many sports owners whose fathers, were the owners previously like you right. look at James Dolan it's the same thing and there there are just so many examples of this all over the place whether it's in sports or business and um yeah unfortunately it doesn't really bode well um you got to hope in terms of you know Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka that they just continue to do their jobs as if none of this ever happened in the first place i mean that's all they can do yeah, right yeah. like and if you're going to have a faith in anybody to not be distracted by this type of thing. It's it's people like that. Sure. Now, if Mitch were still there, I don't know, man. I feel like he'd be like, "Screw this! Like I'm retiring. I'm out of here. I don't. Yeah. I don't need this." Right. Um. So shoot, maybe Mitch dodged a bullet. I don't know. Maybe in yeah. in some way, yeah. you know. And that's why I said, like, the Lakers' actual on-court basketball operation should file a restraining order against what's happening in the front <laughs> office, right? Because we really do need to compartmentalize this. Because if we don't then it's con- going to continue to be a cluster F. And that's exactly what it is right now. And you can imagine agents saying to their players, like, hey, it's not worth it going to that team right now. They have no idea what they're doing. The people who own the team hate each other. I mean, they really hate each other. That's what it seems like. And when you have that st- constant strife, that's going to trickle down eventually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka there. That's they're just, not at the top. They're not at the top. Yeah. yeah, that stuff just trickles down. So... We hope this all gets sorted out somehow. Hopefully, Jim and Johnny back down. I don't know if some sort of agreement can come into place where Jeannie allows them a little bit more influence again, but on like a trial basis or something. I have no idea. I just know that I would want this cleaned up as as best as possible, and they can hopefully just back off and allow Jeannie to continue her father's legacy in the way that she sees fit. And right now, at least, it looks like we have a clear direction, and hopefully... Jim can step down off his pedestal and like, you know, humble himself a little bit and realize, let's see how this goes first before I start squabbling and making a huge show of things because I honestly objectively have not done a good job. Yeah. And Mozgov and Dang getting DNPs sitting there is ample evidence of that. You know? There's got to be some sort of settlement that they can make. Yeah. Like, again, a reference to the Dodgers. Frank McCourt, once he was ousted as owner, I believe he's still collecting money from Dodger Stadium from parking. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's Staples Center, and you can't do that because it's it's Staples Center that gets the money, not the Lakers. But that was their way, the Dodgers' way of saying, like, all right, Frank McCourt, like, we really want you out, but since you care about the money so much, since you're bankrupt, here, fine, you can have the parking money. And that actually pisses a lot of Dodger fans off because they don't want him to get a cent. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was a settlement. That's right. exactly what it is. So for the Lakers, I don't know, like, these lawyers can be creative, obviously, and, you know, next time we have Tommy on here, we can talk with him about it since he's our lawyer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, there's got to be something. But like you said, it's a it's a matter of whether does he does he want money or is it a pride thing? And if he's just trying to get I think there's a system. price, there's a price yeah. for everybody. Yeah, right. For sure. So hopefully that's what it'll take. Yeah. But I mean, we'll leave it right there because we don't want to keep on talking about this depressing thing. And we don't really know all the nitty gritty details into this. So Jim Bus, Jim freaking Bus, freaking Johnny Bus. I haven't even talked about you, Johnny boy. <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, everybody. <laughs> I just can't help myself. I can't contain it. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! 
Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Go! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Well, whoever she is, tell her thanks. Whoever she is, tell her I said thanks. Wait, wait, wait. What's that? What's that? Wow. That was my acting debut. Young and the Restless. All right, so with all that bus crap over with, let's get on to a more fun topic, and that's Luke Walton's interview with Bill Simmons on Bill Simmons' podcast. So, Alan, I wanted to get your impressions of what you thought of the interview overall, and I guess what were some highlights for you just hearing Luke Walton's perspective on this season and just him growing up as Bill Walton's son, really. Man, it was, it was a great interview. I highly recommend everybody listen to it. Um, man, there, there was so much good stuff in there. Obviously, when it comes to Bill Simmons' podcast, guys are able to be extremely candid, just be themselves and talk very freely. So I think the highlight of it for me was at the very end when Luke was talking about Richard Jefferson (laughs) when he was coaching against him in the finals last year. And now these days, Richard Jefferson constantly reminds Luke how they came back from a 3-1 deficit. So he was saying like... You know, we could be literally doing whatever. We could be playing beach volleyball in the summer with each other. And Richard Jefferson will say things like, oh, it's cool. I've come back from much worse than this before. And Luke says it just, like, drives him absolutely insane. And these guys are best friends. Like, they've known each other for 20 years. They played with each other in Arizona. And uh, I thought that was really funny. And Luke actually takes a lot of credit for Richard Jefferson even being in the NBA to this day because Richard Jefferson was, like, done, right? His body was completely breaking down on him. He was retired, moved to, I believe it was Hermosa Beach. Yeah. And Luke said, hey, man, every summer, like, we should go play beach volleyball every single day. And they were doing that. And then he starts bringing Richard Jefferson to yoga with him. And then now Richard Jefferson has his own yoga studio and all this stuff. And basically, Luke is the reason for Richard Jefferson's resurgence in the NBA at this point. So that was a big highlight for me. And one other one that really stood out was, I don't remember who it was, but somebody who was on the Celtics back with Big Bill said, I'm surprised Bill's sons aren't all in jail right now <laughs> because of how crazy they were when they were kids in the Boston locker room. That was freaking hilarious to imagine because, you know, when we see Luke, if anything, whether it's him as a player or now, he's very calm and composed and measured, but imagining him as like a four, five, six, seven, eight year old just running amok with his brothers, playing pranks on everybody on the Celtics. And I don't know if you guys have read, there's an article, really, really good one. And man, this sucks. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was on ESPN.com. It was a long form article about Luke when his dad was on the Celtics and they'd play pranks on the players. They'd put like shaving cream in different players' shoes. (laughs) They would, all the brothers would like go in the hot tub, which was like a big freaking deal back in those days in the eighties. And they would, be completely dirty, like coming home from practice, and it turns into like a mud bath. Yeah. And the players are just like, Bill, what the heck is wrong with your kids, man? They're insane. And if anything, Bill just thought it was hilarious. So right. anyway, yeah, to get that insight on him was was great. Yeah, I also liked uh, Luke just talking about, obviously, because his father, Bill Walton, played for the Celtics, how he was a diehard Celtics fan up until he was 22 and was drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. And upon that happening, the flip switched. He became a Laker fan for the rest of his life, and obviously... The switch flipped. The switch... Did I say the flip switch? <laughs> yes, you did. I am dyslexic. It's all good. Verbally. <laughs> Verbally <though>. dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, the switch flipped, and Luke Walton's loyalty to the purple and gold has never faded since then. So I like that tidbit. I also like how, when he was deciding to become the Lakers head coach, obviously, we've heard that his father was like, hey man, you know, some of my best times playing in this league have been when I was winning, and you don't want to have that feeling leave you, because it'll affect your quality of life even outside of basketball and you want to maintain that as much as possible and what you had at Golden State was something very special I advise you to stick on even if even as an assistant with the Warriors and Luke just took it from a different angle because he was able to see it from his perspective in terms of no I totally agree I had so much fun 
being a part of this Warriors team, how unselfish they were, how every day was a great day. But given that I'm only 36 right now, I see opportunity for that down the line. And having already experienced it, I want to be able to kind of like pave my own path and, you know, take it as a challenge for myself. Having a chance to rebuild this Lakers franchise, who I've experienced those winning ways with myself as a player, you know, with the Pau Gasol Kobe days, hearing him be so motivated and want to take on that challenge is just was really cool to see. It's like very Mamba mentality kind yeah, of, you know, yeah. just him having the perspective like, yeah, I know it's going to be tough. I know the I know maintaining this this winning mentality and just having that feeling and uh, quality of life is important. But I want to be able to start from the bottom again and. I know that this won't be my last time winning. Yeah, really I, encouraging. I think Luke is is maniacal. I mm-hmm. really do. But he, I don't know how much he talked about how he hates losing. He doesn't take yeah. losing well. And even now with this team, like there are so many nights where he has a hard time sleeping, and he just he can't recover from the losses. And he still says like. I am a horrible loser. Like, I just don't deal with losing well. So you got to give so much credit to him this season for keeping things in perspective. Like, of course you have that aspect of it, but he's able to see the growth from our players in the smallest ways. Because Bill Simmons even said at one point, like, you know, I hope you guys are able to succeed at some point. And Luke was like, okay, well, let's backtrack a little bit. I do think we're succeeding now. Mm -hmm. We may not be getting wins, but I think... You know, where there has been some some success this year. It's just what's your definition of it? And um, you know, another thing is he talked about like Bill Simmons asked him, "How long do you want to coach? Like, how long do you see yourself doing this? Are you a lifer? What's what's your mm-hmm. deal?" And he says, "Yeah, like I, I definitely want to do this for a very long time. I could see myself doing it into my sixties. So that was really encouraging. He's just a workhorse. I think he's a complete basketball nerd. Clearly." And um, the fact that, again, he can keep things in perspective the way he has this year and hasn't been discouraged. And you can tell he's being sincere. Like, any person could just say those things, but you know it's very authentic coming from Luke. Yeah, for sure. And I think just his experience as a player, his unique experience as a player, you know, coming into the league, having to be on that crazy Gary Payton, Karl Malone, Shaq, Kobe team. And that was the year Kobe was doing the the rape trial, right? Yeah. There was so much going on. Um, and then from from even being an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors, having to deal with all these superstars and even Draymond Green, right, has prepared him to take on, you know, any challenge. And and I thought the funniest mm-hmm. part was he was just talking to Marcus Cousins and he was like, yo, DeMarcus is a head case, but I would love to coach that guy. Yeah. And I, I think it's very smart by Luke, too, because, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins is on the Pelicans. You know, we played him tonight. He fouled out. But he's still going to be a free agent soon, you know? Right. I mean, he's just oh, planting yeah. those things, like saying, yep. like, yo, I would love to coach a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, even though people think he's a head case. I know that guy wants to win. He just doesn't can't control his emotions right yeah. now, and I've dealt and he, with players He like even that. said, he was like, you know, crazy doesn't scare me. He's like, look, Big yeah. Bill is my father, and look <laughs> at the brothers I grew up with, and Kobe Bryant was my teammate, and Shaq used to say, if you don't pass me the ball, I'm going to punch you in the face yeah. as a rookie. So he's like, look, I'm used to crazy. I could deal with crazy. I actually think crazy is kind of fun. Yeah. I like that challenge. That's what you want to hear from your coach, right? Oh, for it's sure. Super... You're not going to back down. You're not going to be afraid of it. Just and he, it, Again, how many times do we say this? It's, it's almost become like, I don't know, redundant, but he loves people. And right. he gets along with people and he understands people. It doesn't matter what kind of people you are. Yeah. And that's super reassuring to hear from your coach because you know, even in cases where you'd normally be like, oh, I don't want DeMarcus Cousins on this team to mess up the chemistry and, you know, be a bad influence on the, the players and everything like that. Just to know that you, if you if you did have a, if there was one coach to try and rein DeMarcus Cousins in and reason with him, relate to him on a very personable level, It'll be Luke Walton, you know, mm-hmm. so that's that's great to hear and bodes well for the future if we can get past all this bus crap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess the last thing I want to talk about was his comments on Brandon Ingram. What did you get from what Luke said about Brandon? Yeah, it was, it was encouraging. I mean, he basically just said Brandon needs to continue working hard and his work ethic and determination is going to take him as you know, the sky's the limit. And if he can get a consistent jumper, that's going to open up his entire game. And that's pretty much it. And okay, well, how are you going to get a consistent jumper? A, he's got to just get out of his own head and B, he needs to work really hard. And there's no indication that he won't work hard. So to me, Luke has utmost faith in Brandon Ingram and uh, even Bill Simmons, you know, biggest Celtic fan ever. 
he is intrigued by Brandon Ingram and really most of our team, I would say. Um, so I think it says a lot when someone from the you know the rival, the opposing team, gives props to your players. Um, but yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I really liked how objective he was analyzing Brandon Ingram. You know, he said, we don't know what he's going to become. We don't know if he's going to be a superstar, but we know that his ceiling and his floor is, is very solid because at the very least, he's a solid defender. Uh, he's lanky. And because of his physical attributes, it allows him to do weird things that normal players won't necessarily be able to do offensively and defensively. What did I say? Nothing. You didn't say anything. I said a moment. I said Bob was like, so you said like, you know, what a ceiling is, what his yeah. floor is, right? So I don't know if anybody watched the Duke North Carolina game yesterday. Uh-huh. You know, huge, huge college rivalry game. And Michael Jordan spoke at halftime about his Jordan brand or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, and the football team's gonna wear Jordan stuff. He was like, listen up. <laughs> The ceiling is the roof (laughs) for us. And everyone just freaking cheered their butts off, dude. And I heard that. I was like, what are you talking about? Of course the ceiling is the roof, dude. Like, we all know what you're trying to say. But you said it was so much conviction, Michael, that we're all going to buy into that. So anyway, I would say for Brandon Ingram, the ceiling ceiling is is the the roof. roof. Hashtag ceiling is the roof. (laughs) Anyway, shout out to Michael Jordan. Shout out to MJ. But yeah, Brandon Ingram, like Luke said, you know, the one thing that'll hold him back right now is how pure is his jump shot? Because it's clear that that's the one thing that probably hasn't translated as easily from college as other players like D'Angelo Russell, right? But obviously he brought up Kawhi Leonard. You know, Kawhi Leonard couldn't shoot from college and eventually learned how to shoot. And now he's, whenever he's wide open, that, that shot is in. Uh, can Brandon Ingram become consistent enough to be that type of player? And I think he can. Right now, he just honestly, this summer, needs to get into the gym, rework his shot mechanics or something. Because right now, everybody knows it's super wonky. Um, there's not a lot of... Sometimes there's touch. Sometimes there's rotation. Other times, he just shoots it like off the palm of his hand, pretty much. And there's no rotation. Or it could go wide left, wide right. You can see it from the free throw line, even. There's no direction on that shot whatsoever. Um, I don't know what it is, but... Even in college, actually, he was only like a 66% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. So something's up and he needs to tweak something in his shot mechanics to make it more fluid and have it come off his fingertips. Because when it comes off his fingertips, it's a pure shot, you know? And I've talked to you about this before, but whenever he's spinning or fading away, it actually softens up his mm-hmm. jump shot. And that's when it looks the purest, right? When he can actually get it off those fingertips. But too often, it seems like he's using his whole hand to shot put it in pretty much. And that's why you get some really bad clinkers. So... And right now, it doesn't seem like Brandon Ingram can necessarily shoot an off-the-dribble jump shot. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully this summer he works on that, takes Luke's comments to heart, and yeah, just shores that jump shot up. Shores that jump shot. But yeah, I agree with everything Luke Walton said, and I'm encouraged by what he said about Brandon Ingram and just his floor and roof and ceiling being already pretty high. So The floor is the rug, (laughs) and the chandelier... Is the light. I want to swing. <laughs> <laughs> to the windows. To, to the, the walls. walls. All right. So that was Luke Walton's interview with Bill Simmons. We'll leave it right there. But yeah, so that'll do it for our show. Hopefully we continue to have more Charlotte type losses. I'll even take more New Orleans Pelicans type losses. It right. got exciting at the end. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the biggest thing is just more growth from Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, and all the younger guys. So Yeah. I uh, hope everybody can hang in there. You know what would help you guys to close the season? A freaking soft-ass tri-blend t-shirt from the Lakers Legacy Pod. Hashtag It's Lit LA. Hashtag Flash the Progress with Brandon Ingram on it. We got a light gray one, a darker gray one, and a black one. That is very, very soft, and you can wear to sleep right after the Lakers lose in the way that you want them to lose. So please go on our timeline, look for that contest tweet, follow us on Twitter first, retweet episode 112 featuring Jordan Clarkson's trainer Drew Hanlon, and then also if you want to, rate and review us on iTunes, and you will get an additional entry, and we will be drawing out of a hat either mid-March or at the end of at the end of March, April 1st. So please join that. It's the easiest way to get a random free t-shirt that you'll ever have. So yeah, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many restraining orders the Lakers will have against winning, just winning in general. (laughs) 
which means we will keep our number two spot. So there you go. Stephen A. Smith, take us out on whatever you want to take us out on. Well, I know this is a Lakers podcast and all, but we all know I'm from New York. I'm from the Bronx, and I just want to talk about what a mess the New York Knicks are. It's got nothing to do with the Lakers and Jim Boss and Johnny Boss. Peace out, L.A. Much love, much love. Cool. All right, Alan, catch you later. All right, bye. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.